Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, and this is HFL number 139. And today's guest is the founder of the New World Orchestra here in Indianapolis. It has since been rebranded as the Indianapolis Youth Orchestra. And of course, Susan's going to give you the lowdown on how that group came to be. But before we get to her interview, of course, we got to tell you about the show sponsors. Messina Covers is not just any other case company. David Messina and Erica Howard design and produce some beautiful cases that fit both form and function. And you can choose your case design, fabric and trim color, add custom engraving, and more. And of course, you can find out more at MessinaCovers.net. Peter Pickett and his crack team of craftspeople are continually innovating and providing the trumpet community with spectacular options for stock and custom mouthpieces. He and Eric Murine can help you find just the right size to fit your needs, and you should definitely consider trying the acrylic cup and rim. And if you're in the market for a custom trumpet, then Peter and Eric can build a Blackburn trumpet just for you. Check them out at picketblackburn.com. To stay current on what's going on with Studio HFL, you can follow me on social media on Facebook and Instagram, and you can watch the live and pre-recorded interviews on the YouTube channel. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. My first experience with a Hammond design mouthpiece has turned into a bit of obsession. There is something very comfortable about playing one of Carl's mouthpieces. The comfort, response, and sound are part of the HD experience. Try one of the stock mouthpieces or have Carl make you a custom one. Either way, everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you are, I would love it if you would take just a couple of minutes and go to Apple Podcasts to leave a star rating and a review. Doing so will help improve the visibility of this podcast and draw more listeners. When I first tried an Eastman B-flat trumpet, I was blown away by both the playability and the sound. And the more I found out about the company and got to know the people, I knew that this was a company I wanted to have a relationship with. There is a drive for excellence in design and production of every instrument, not just the high-end products. And the proof of this is that the one and only Doc Severinsen helped to design the Eastman Beginner trumpet model. I still play that B-flat and have added a spectacular cornet and flugelhorn to my arsenal. You can find out more at eastmanwinds.com. I'd love it if you'd visit the Studio HFL website and sign up for the weekly newsletter. And while you're there, you can also visit the merch page and buy a Studio HFL shirt for yourself and as a gift for someone else. Of course, you can do that at studiohfl.com. My current situation with my C trumpet is a bit ridiculous. My Shire C, which Samantha Lane helped me trial and choose, is the most versatile C I've ever played. The same goes for the new Destino designed by Doc. This horn sizzles when I need it to sizzle and is as smooth as silk when I wear my sil- uh, never mind. Uh, anyway, the line of Shire's trumpets includes the Q series, which are production models, and the custom series. Either way you go, you'll love the sound you get, and you'll also experience exceptional customer service. Find out more at seshires.com. Here's how you can access exclusive content like the interview excerpts. I'd like to invite you to become a part of the Studio HFL community by going to Patreon and choosing from one of the four tiers of support. You can help to financially support the show for as little as $36 a year. That's only $3 a month. Benefits include exclusive access to interview excerpts, a behind-the-scenes report, an invitation to be in the room with a guest during an interview, 
product discounts, and more. You can join the community of faithful supporters by visiting patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on with the interview. Nice Thank you very you. much. And it's nice to see you. I have yeah. popped in to Sunrise a couple of times and bought things for the boys and Jenny, but Oops. I usually miss, uh, hello, Kitty. Hello. I usually miss uh, you or Katie. Uh, it's, you guys still have a, quite a few people working for you over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't feel comfortable going in there right now. So um, I have to have somebody who would work for me. And then mm. she's making donuts in the middle of the night. Yeah. So by the time the store opens, her day's almost over. So yeah. it's not, none of it is a good situation. We're just trying to make it work. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're still able to open, even though it might be reduced. I'm still glad you're there. And I'm sure Thank a lot you. of people are glad you're there. Thank you very much. So. I appreciate that. Um, I have had a blast this week because my focus this week has been talking to Henry Leck. Um. Uh, of course, Adam, I talked to him earlier this week. I'm talking to Josh Petty tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, Eleanor Burchetti is on uh, on the docket to talk to her, of course. Oh, my gosh. But, yes. you know, it's it, the whole focus has been all this local talent. I mean, Indianapolis has so much. Uh, and even though it might be short history in comparison, Right with the, I, I didn't realize the children's choir and and New World had started as recently as they had. But you know, I'm thinking people would love to hear from those in the know about these groups. And I've had a blast learning about them. And when I was thinking about this, I thought, well, I can't not talk to you. I mean, you're you've you've got uh, hopefully a, a lot to share about how things came about. And I'm not looking for embarrassing stories, although. Adam told me one. Adam told me about. <laughs> yeah, uh, he told me his first concert that you let him conduct. He forgot his tux pants. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was so great. And he's not the only person that's ever done that. I had a, oh, I had sure. a soloist who was uh, playing with the orchestra who forgot his pants. It's never the whole thing. It's just the pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. but luckily, most, especially professional orchestras, they have extra stuff of that nature backstage because it happens right. to everybody. So, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, good. well, uh, let me, I'm going to do a formal welcome. Susan Kitterman, welcome to my podcast. Why, thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And I have to tell you, I was scared to death of you back when I first heard about you because well, I heard about uh, the this New World Youth Orchestra and Susan Kitterman and it's like I don't know what in my mind I just I, I figured you maybe like a Toscanini I don't know why that I had no reason yeah, to base that yeah, right well, <laughs> well Jen would attest that I, I, I tried to project that image <laughs> well no I mean she would actually say uh, otherwise on that but um and I'm glad that once I finally met you that was completely dispelled you know that yeah <laughs> that oh that's so gone. funny Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. No, I try. I, I think I was the opposite of that, actually. Mm -hmm. If you were to think of it. Yeah. But uh, that's funny. Well, um, of course, I want to get to New World, but I want to find out a little bit about yourself, too. I mean, you are not just a conductor. You are a musician 
who, I mean, you, you didn't start with a baton. Did you start with piano or voice or an um, instrument? I actually, I started with piano and then, um, and then violin. And then um, through no fault of my own, I switched to viola, <laughs> and which I loved and never looked back. And so those are my two basic instruments. And it wasn't until I started playing the viola that I realized all these other instruments in the orchestra and the parts that they were playing. Because when you play first violin, all you hear, you, you just hear yourself. <laughs> And I really did not enjoy that very much. And you mm. always play the melody, you know, or almost right. always. So I wasn't that interested in that, but in, in the viola section, you could hear the winds and you could hear cellos. And the second violin part was actually very interesting. And mm -hmm. you could hear the basses behind you. And I think mm -hmm. that's where I first started getting interested probably. Mm -hmm. And so was this through, now are you in Indianapolis as you're growing up and-, and... No, I'm from suburban Chicago. Which part? Uh, well, I'm, I went, uh, I'm from Arlington Heights. I moved there when my family was nine, when I was nine. Gotcha. So uh, then viola through high school and into college? No, I didn't switch to viola until right before college mm -hmm. um, because I was going to audition for IU anyway uh, on mm -hmm. piano. And then I found out that William Primrose, probably the most esteemed violist to ever live, uh, was still teaching at IU. So that was it. <laughs> so I decided somehow to try to get in on that, mm -hmm. which I was able to. And so I was able to study with them for a year, which was just fantastic. What and, uh, well, I can imagine the size of the studio, and it's not just undergrads trying to get in with these big name professors. You've got master's and doctoral students trying to get into those studios as well. So the competition is fierce. Yeah, it, it really was. I always kind of contended it was a fluke, but <laughs> I, I've come to find out that a lot of people operate under that premise that they're only in this music school because someone didn't notice how you really played <laughs> you know, or everybody's better than you are or right, whatever. Right, right. This must be a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I really loved, I, I loved the year I spent with him, so. And now it wasn't just a year and I, you, you no. finished. No, I went to IU the whole time, but yeah. he retired yeah. after my first year. Oh, so. So how'd you enjoy playing in the uh, university ensembles down there? I really liked it a lot. Who was Actually. conducting at that point? Oh gosh. Uh, Keith Brown was conducting uh, Fiora Contino, who was my mm -hmm. item. Um, yeah. oh, who was that guy I couldn't stand? <laughs> uh, oops, I probably should say that. His That's name, okay. <laughs> I can't think of his. I can't think of his first name, but his last name was Vacano, and he just—he was the kind of conductor that would make mistakes, but then he would blame them on someone else, and everybody's going, "Dude, we know you did it." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I learned a lot from him, which was, if you want to maintain your podium on integrity. One of the things you have to do is admit when you've made a mistake, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which he never did. Well, mind. you know, that uh, is a mark of, a, I think, a, a good conductor who will admit and, and not, you know, be so serious about, uh, about that. And I, uh, Stan Darusha is somebody that I can think of who 
was very serious about things, but he would make mistakes. And right. you know, of course he, he owned up to it. He had a great sense right. of humor about that sort of thing. Right. Right. That makes everything a lot easier. But anyway, yeah. I, I learned different things from different people, but yeah. for Fiora Contino, what was amazing for me with her was she was the first woman I'd ever seen conduct. Um, the, the conductor of the um, Chicago Symphony Chorus. Mm -hmm. I can't think of her last name, Margaret Hiller or something like that. She was female, but somehow that didn't count. I don't know why. Well, uh, and so few, right? I mean, Joanne Folletta and Maren Alsup are the only two that right. come to mind right away. I'm sure right. there, are, there are, well, I know there are many others out right. there. But, well, they uh, weren't out there then. I mean, there no. was, sorry about that. There was nobody. And, and so Fiora was really, to me, really a pioneer. And then mm -hmm. she did opera and so. So that. is this along the line of when the conducting bug bit you? Is that, when did that happen? Well, um, I don't think it bit me then. Um, it bit me when I started working with students that were fairly good. Um, and I was, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I was working at Carmel Junior High and I had uh, started the string program there in the late 70s. And uh, my students by three years go by and they can play pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. We can do all the five parts. This is really fun. Next thing you know, you add this, you add that. Next thing you know, well, there's a score. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how it went. Yeah. It, there, there was no plan to be a conductor at all. So your degree was music education. That's that was your intent. Uh huh. Uh huh. As a matter of fact, my worst grade in college was in conducting. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. But uh, sometimes, sometimes it works out that way. Yeah. Uh, so how long were you teaching in Carmel? I taught there for four years, from seventy-eight to eighty-two. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you started the spring program. That's that. That's fantastic. I had no idea that. Uh, well, I, there's still so many. There are now so many string programs across the city. It's like you just kind of expect that everybody always had them. Mm -hmm. But no, they did not. No, yeah. no, they had Pike had one, North Central had one, Southport had one. Not many. Not oh, many. Betsy, Betsy Levin. Right yeah. down at Southport. Oh yeah, yeah, down at Southport. She was a dynamo. Yeah. 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 She really knew how to do it. But I anyway. student taught at Southport High School. Uh, Jeff Fur was the band director, and huh? uh, Betsy was still there. But I got to observe her teaching quite a bit, and it was impressive. Uh, of course, she had a terrific program. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, she was awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what, and her sister was a cellist. Oh, that's right. Uh, Radomsky. Yes. Kathy Radomsky. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that name actually popped back into yeah, my head. Yeah. Wow. You're something. Those are the early days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what happened then after Carmel? What was the next transition? Well, um, after Carmel, I just decided to start a small chamber orchestra. Um, I had a, a studio of about 35 private students. And that kept me pretty busy. And I had access to a space where I could have a rehearsal if I wanted. So I had all, most of my students were gonna do it. 
and other kids that were from Carmel. And then um, I thought that maybe the other string programs would let me come in and tell them about what I wanted to do. That was uh, what I have to say is Dick Dennis, who was from North Central. Yes. Was, uh, he was so gracious and let me come in and really got me my first high quality players because the Carmel program was just as old as I'd been teaching in it, you know, four years. Mm -hmm. So I remember I got a really good bass player and a couple of really good fiddles. And that's where basically where it started. That's but, terrific. I'd forgotten about uh, Dick and wasn't his wife also a musician? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was a flute player and teacher. Right. And, yeah. But just, and he totally didn't have to do that because he could have, I was, how old was I? I was like a 28, 29 year old person <laughs> and trying to start an orchestra and everybody, most people were just looking at like, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking, why not? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I guess I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of the roadblocks that were being put up that much. I just thought it would be really great to do it. And there were no rules, basically. If you could play up to my standard and you came to rehearsal, uh, then you were in. And you didn't even have to take private lessons because if you could play up to what I needed you to play and you weren't taking private lessons, you were a genius. So it went without saying. Yeah. So I, I was trying to just not have any rules, just have people that fit, fit what I wanted and were willing to commit to it. So what was that first season like? And you might not even have thought of it as a season, right? I mean, it would have just oh, been... It was a season. It, it was a season. Was, yeah, it, it went from November to, I think, like uh, March. Mm -hmm. And I think I had 18 kids in the first year in our first public performance. Uh, was in the Glendale Galleria. Yeah. And it was something else. And then our second performance was at Second Presbyterian Church. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big step. I remember Glendale. Of course, I mean, it resembles nothing. Oh, yeah. Back then, that, that was a hot, a hot place. Yeah. Yeah. But we played. Yeah, all I remember all kinds of groups playing there. And of course, the community would show up for those. Yes. I mean, everybody would show up. Yes. 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 So that was our first public performance, per se. And then the church was our second one. And that was a, a perfect acoustic space for this you know, little group. They felt over the moon, like, oh my gosh, we're playing in this. Mm -hmm. And they sounded really good. Mm -hmm. I remember doing a piccolo, a Vivaldi piccolo concerto, because mm -hmm. um, I had started to bring in flutes that could also double on recorder and you know stuff like oh. that. And then by the second year I had um, small winds and it just kind of went from there. We just kept it, adding it, when we needed it. Had it been named yet or was this? Uh, it, it was named uh, from the very beginning. And, and how'd that come to you? Was it in a dream? Was it a vision? That no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I really, first of all, especially at that time, the New World Symphony was by far my favorite orchestral. Mm -hmm. And the viola parts are fantastic in it. Mm. So um, I really like that symphony. And then it has special meaning to me because we were doing something new and that all the kids that would be in it would be pretty much playing these masterworks for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it would be like a whole new world for them. So 
That's what I Perfect. thought. Perfect. Yeah. And that's the uh, truth. <laughs> well, that's a great story. And it is. It's a fantastic piece. I've only been, uh, well, I've been fortunate to play it twice, but only twice in, in all oh. this time. And I, I just wish, uh, it's kind of like Beethoven 5. You wish it would come around as often as Beethoven uh, does. But mm -hmm. uh, so this you've got 18 kids so i'm imagining even programming you're probably thinking broke or light classical you're doing mozart yeah, yeah. Sort of well yeah we uh, graduated into mozart actually i think we went Haydn first before mm -hmm. uh, um but yeah it, and it was pretty quick mm -hmm. all, all of a sudden people started asking if they could play we got a couple oboes the next year and um I think one bassoon, which is all you needed for most of that literature. Right. Uh, yeah, it was great. I can't remember exactly what the instrumentation was, but we could do different things every year that we couldn't do the year before. So when did the wheels start to turn or, or did you already have a plan, like a five-year plan? Or were you thinking long-term at this point or just making it to the next season? Uh, not totally at first, but I think my grand vision that was kind of not even associated with what I was doing there was to establish a school for the arts in Indianapolis. That I didn't, re I didn't know if New World would be the vehicle or what, but that was my grand vision. Well, and according to Adam, it's still a vision. It's still, for... yeah. Yeah, right. and I was thrilled to hear him talk about that the other day. But Oh, uh, good. I'm glad he talked yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had wished so many of my students that were in the orchestra, that would have been a perfect scenario for mm -hmm. them to be able to go to an enriching environment like that where their talent could be appreciated and nurtured and built into the day, mm -hmm. et cetera. So, but anyway... Yes. So now you've got kids coming, not just from Carmel or North Central. You say you've got people starting to come from some of these other school systems. and Yes, yes, which was really cool. I started to get um, kids from far as far away as uh, Lafayette. That was awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And it just started growing because mm -hmm. they heard about the orchestra and that it was kind of, not that it was conducted differently, than a normal orchestra, but it just was, I think the students felt like they were par participating more in the process. They weren't just showing up to the rehearsal and then playing for three hours and then doing a concert and then getting more music. It was much more organic than mm -hmm. that. I felt it was, so. Well, I, and I would think too, of course you're, doing, you're gonna be teaching, you're gonna be educating along the way, but it's a very different environment than a school orchestra, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, it's like showing up to, for them, like a professional situation where they can come and just play and right. work on making music. Right. And let's not forget, they don't have to be there. No, unless it's their parents <laughs> making there. They don't have to be there. It's not a right. class. It's not a job. And for, for many of them, it's the highlight of their week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They look forward to being together, as it was mine. And I played in a youth orchestra in high school. Mm -hmm. Just getting to be around other people that played, you know, well and making music. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, of course, as a trumpet player, I want to know, when did you first program Mahler 2? 
<laughs> that would be uh, the fifth of never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, we, of course, you did eventually get to play some of the bigger works that involved yes. all the winds, brass, and percussion, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. harps, and all that. Yep, all that. Yeah, and we even uh, we even did a piece that did not include strings, just included winds and brass and percussion. I'm trying mm -hmm. to remember, I think what was that? It's not Karel Husa. No, is it Shostakovich? The concerto for I think it was oh. for piano and. And well, when, that has strings. That has strings in it, though. Then that's not it. It's, but it didn't have strings. And I was petrified to do it because of strings, I know. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's, they're my clothes. And then I can, you know, just say what I need to with the winds and brass. And I know what I'm doing, but strings are there and they're like my, my comfort blanket. And so they weren't there. So <laughs> there was first row winds right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. a lot different, but it, it, as it turned out, like most things I'm really afraid of, it turned out to be a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. where I, just, I grew so much through that piece. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, a little bit of a left turn here. At, at this point, are you still the, the, the administration or have you got a team now alongside you? With the orchestra? Yeah, I'm not at all involved. I am really- no, I meant at that oh, point, oh, early oh, on. Is, that, okay. Yeah. Oh gosh, let me think. No, I was still doing it by myself. Librarian, um, everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, were... oh, yeah. you should have seen <laughs> you should have seen our living room. I had stacks of music all over the place. My family remembers, I'm sure, more than I do, but yeah, it was pretty serious. And then I had a woman who brought her kids down from Peru, Indiana. And that was pretty much of a trek. So she stayed and just started kind of helping out. And then she ended up being my main person who did everything for years. And I couldn't have done anything without her. Copied mm -hmm. music, did all the personnel and mm -hmm. helped us with everything. So that was really crucial. Were you looking for funding at this point or were there grants, endowments, any, I mean, Lily, I know has been a big supporter uh -huh. of a lot of things, but were they involved early on? Well, in our second year, we got one of our uh, members, father, was uh, heavily involved in Methodist Hospital and also connected into the Lilly Endowment. And he mm -hmm. thought that we ought to meet the Lilly Endowment. So that was our first introduction into the world of funding in Indianapolis. And I was so grateful because I don't know that I could have ever gotten it. And I've what they and so we we got funding from then and then we went to the Clues Foundation mm -hmm. and I don't remember how much we got but we bought metal folding stands with that but that was huge I know that was huge yeah uh, you know because <laughs> we didn't have any so kids had to bring their own stands and that was sometimes a problem yeah now, uh, where were you rehearsing at this point were you in, in one of the schools. Uh, well, we started actually, I think for the first two or three years in Carmel Friends Church, which is on Main Street, Carmel. Yep. And then I think we moved down to North Methodist Church at 38th, mm -hmm. where we stayed for a long time. And But we rehearsed in some other uh, colorful places like Central, the, what, did, what did they call that? Used to be a Central Christian Church on Central. Oh, yeah, yeah before it was redone, mm -hmm. it, it was pretty scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and other places, yeah. we were always looking for a home. And then we rehearsed at 
um, the Circle Theater for many years. That mm -hmm. was a dream come true through generous funding from a donor. Yeah, because that's not a free, yeah, let's just open the doors and let you in, right? That <laughs> never, on, never under any circumstances is that ever free. Right, right. Who you are. Yeah. So, yeah. But someone thought that would be a great experience for this orchestra to be able to be on that stage and be able to hear themselves and mature. Because I mean, we had some, I'll just say, funky rehearse, rehearsal situation. <laughs> Well, you so, make do, right? I mean, do, you do what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that changed everything. Because mm -hmm. we were performing there a couple times a year. So we already knew that it was, you know, the mm -hmm. best for us to be. But uh, then when we got to rehearse there, too, it's just we changed overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever play at Clues? Yes, several times. I, I'm just imagining, of course, the Clues is such a huge stage, especially deep. I mean, it, it's uh -huh. much deeper than, well, it depends on if, if they've got the shell. But um, so if you were at, at Hilbert, and I'm just thinking out loud, then the ISO had already relocated from Clues to, yes. to uh -huh. Hilbert. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I need to go ahead. In Clues Hall, we, we would oftentimes be collaborating with the Indianapolis Children's Choir hmm. or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. Not always, but we did a lot of concerts there with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so when did you meet Henry and how? Well, uh, I think they started a couple years after we did. I don't 80, know. 86, 86 is what he told me. Okay, yeah, we started in 83. So uh, we were kind of on the same wavelength, you know, kind of doing the same thing. So yeah. I, I don't remember... I'm sure it was through Butler somehow, but I don't mm -hmm. exactly. But um, our organization started performing together uh, pretty early on, and it was really a really great relationship. We got to do some fantastic larger works. Like, for instance, we did the Mozart Requiem for the National Firefighter, Firefighters Convention here in Indianapolis right after 9-11. I remember that. I, I was part of yeah. a, a Herald Trumpet group that played for those. Uh, it was down on Pan Am Plaza or somewhere in that. In uh, that yeah, yeah, I remember and if, that. And if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong, but I think Adam may have played second trombone, which uh, had solo. The uh, tuba mirum, right? Yes. Uh, actually, he did mention that the other day. Yes. Uh -huh. He did. That was such um, a I'm trying to think, I'm just baffled, but I'm also so grateful that Indianapolis was so accommodating, not and not just accommodating, of two new groups for young musicians, but that both groups really flourished mm -hmm. early on. They really did. They did. And uh, I think for me, I was really fortunate in that that very first year where I only had 18 kids and 16 of them were my students. Uh, I got a group of parents that decided that I should incorporate, that I should be a not-for-profit organization. How would I ever have known that? Well, answer mm -hmm. never. So one of the parents was a CPA and he got the articles of incorporation together and they pulled that off, which then opened us up to the world of funding. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you remember the the first season uh, with like full orchestra when where you had the full complement of instruments i don't gosh i don't well and that's just uh, it's kind of a side question um it was just one group at this point though right i mean now there are several levels there's right. there are, i think three orchestras there are three levels yeah when um, did that start to split well as more and more people became interested in auditioning for new world um like i said you had to play to a certain standard and um especially for violence and so there's a cutoff basically for violins of if you're playing this repertoire or below then you're, you're not ready and there were a lot of kids that were just on the cusp. They were almost ready. They played beautifully. They did the Vivaldi A minor concerto like a demon, but that was the end of it. So we decided um, to start a second orchestra where these people that were at the top of their skill could get together and work on uh, orchestral skills. And that was when um, Indianapolis Youth Orchestra was started. Mm -hmm. And Eleanor Bocchetti was the conductor and she did a great job as you would have she conducted yes well i i can believe that now i mean she's such a talented person yes she is um of course i first knew about her because of suzuki uh because the first time i met her i was at university of indianapolis i walked into one of her classrooms on a saturday morning when she had all of her students in there and i didn't know anybody was in there i opened the door to go practice and I was like, oh, excuse me. And then I found Sorry. out who she was. And of course, I hadn't met Jenny uh, at that point. It was right. a couple of years later and uh, found out that she had been a student of Eleanor's. And it's so neat to see how uh, tightly knit, a uh, small world, this. And how everyone was so supportive of one another. I mean, and if you really think of it, Eleanor's String Academy, her Suzuki Academy, fed it, I mean, that really fed into our system mm -hmm. and our system inspired kids to want to play those instruments and go into her system. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it was, they, it was just, uh, integrated going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, was April Cole uh, involved at all with your group? I, I just, I knew she was with Suzuki. I just didn't know if, if, uh, not with my group. No. Okay. Sp specifically. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. But uh, yeah, it took a village. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. but and this became, this became your life right from the beginning, right? I mean, you were, you were teaching a little bit, but I mean, at some point you, did you give up the studio? Did you give up uh, uh, any, well, all private lessons? I kind of had a tandem goal at that time. One was the orchestra and the other one was to start a family. And so um, I accomplished both. And my, our first son was born um, at the beginning of the second season. <laughs> <laughs> so we always say that orchestra is our first child. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because, because the child was around. Yeah, the yeah. orchestra was around first by one season. By one season. But he was, he heard all of that. So, and later played in it. So it's kind of funny. I, my oldest, uh, I don't know if you've ever met Nick, but he, he's 31. Uh, oh, I haven't. And quite a good musician. He went through, uh, actually, Al Slidem 
at his Southport Middle School for two years. And then he went through Carmel High School uh, for four years in the band program. And, but he's, he was probably like your kids. He went with me to all my rehearsals and most of my concerts. And so it just, he absorbed right. that. Right. You can't help to not become a good musician you, right. you know, if, if you want to do that, because you already know. Yeah, it was right? there. Yeah, it was there. It's like learning. It another, it's like learning another language. Absolutely. Yeah. If they speak it around you, then you learn it. <laughs> that's and that's kind of become a way I've explained teaching to my students. I said, this is your parents didn't stand over your crib with uh, flashcards. This is the letter A, right? <laughs> yeah. You absorbed, you listened and you learned to mimic. And later you saw the symbols and knew what they meant, which is kind of along the Suzuki method, which is right. another reason I like that. But uh, that's an aside, uh, aside there. So here we are really, um, 20, what, 40, barely 40 years that New World has been in existence. Is that right? If it was 80, would, oh, you said 79. Uh, no, I, I started in Carmel in, in 78, but New World started in 83. Oh, 83. I'm sorry you said that. Okay. So, wow, coming up on, on 40, though. So, uh, can you imagine? No, and, and I asked I Henry the same thing. Could you have ever imagined that your group would have reached the scope? No, I'm well, I can't speak for Henry, but speaking for myself, I was always just looking to the next concert or the next season or uh, what I'd messed up in the last concert or stuff like that. I absolutely didn't think 20 or 30 years down the road. I couldn't imagine that. Mm -hmm. Couldn't imagine. And now well, thank I see it. It's just it boggles my mind. In a good way. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the transition, I want to ask about some really, truly memorable performances with those early groups, those early years. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you mentioned the Glendale, that first performance and the one at Second Prez. Of course, those are going to be special. Um, well, and then you said the, uh, the firefighters, international yeah. firefighters, or whatever that thing was. Firefighter games. That's I remember that now. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, yeah. So what other things stand out to you? What are the performances? Well, uh, a lot of performances. It's a combination of the piece uh, and where we were and the way we played it. It's like the whole package deal. Mm -hmm. And there was. Um, I don't remember exactly what denomination it was, but it was a Christian church, a 16th and central. Oh, maybe Episcopalian. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, it is Episcopalian. I remember. Okay. And um, I, I, I'm sure the symphony will come to me while we're doing it, but it's almost never played. And oh my God, it was so transcendent that I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I was so mm -hmm. happy like for days. I just couldn't believe they'd played. Mm -hmm. so, they'd really unlocked the piece. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was always hoping for with them was to really hear what the piece was trying to say mm -hmm. and hopefully get it out. Was there any ever any repertoire where you thought, oh, I'm not ready for this? Or were you just ready to jump into to any score? Um, 
Well, I got, I probably spent more time selecting repertoire than any other thing that I did with the orchestra. I just would meat grind it to death, going over my repertoire books and different things all summer long, picking all my repertoire for the year. How would this complement this, et cetera? So I would try really hard not to pick stuff that I, I couldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> but every once in a while, stuff would come to me mm -hmm. uh, and I, I would be really hesitant. I would be like, I'm not sure I could do that. One was uh, Kiko Abe. Uh, Prism Rhapsody. It was a, a really uh, stark piece for uh, marimba. And uh, it was tough, tough, tough. And I think Glennis Johns made it really popular. And, mm -hmm. and one of my young artist competition winners won with it. The only one that ever won on a mallet instrument. Mm -hmm. I tried to get him to change to another piece, any piece. <laughs> Any piece but that. Any piece, I said, I'll do it. And he said, no, you'll really like this once you learn it. Mm -hmm. And he was so right. It was a fantastic piece. Mm -hmm. But I was I was usually afraid of what I didn't know what was going to be in there. Mm -hmm. But you just study until you, until you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that part also. I mm -hmm. really enjoyed score studying. A lot. With all the regional orchestras, we typically get one performance. You do a rehearsal cycle and uh -huh. one performance. Uh, of course, the major orchestras, they usually get two. And of course, the bigger cities, three or four uh, concerts. What was that? What was the situation with your group? Did you get more than one opportunity to perform a program? Well, or, uh, until maybe 15 years before I retired, we tried to do each program several times mm -hmm. because you're right, you grow. And each time. So to put all that effort and energy into it and just do it one time, well, you might have made some mistakes that you're sure that if you played it again, you would not do that. So yes, we tried to do that whenever possible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was hard to fit that in because you also need to move to new repertoire and you can't be taking time playing old stuff when you really need to be rehearsing old stuff. So sometimes I would just stick one piece from the first concert in the second concert, mm -hmm. just keep them but yes we got to do that quite a bit mm -hmm. so uh, let's think about uh, the this transition from you to adam uh -huh. and you had said on the phone earlier you had said it was about 15 years right before and you started thinking about this and you said uh, two times you've really prayed for the orchestra once you said was for the right person to come out or right become known to you and then the other was for bassoons. Right. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, golly. Well, in terms of a person that could take the helm of this organization, it's such, it's built on principles that aren't altogether just orchestral in nature. Um, there's a lot of psychology and there's a lot of, uh, character building, and there's a lot of personal responsibility. You know, it just goes on and on. Things that really matter in the, in this group that we really take seriously. And so I wanted to make sure that somebody really got that. And that's really hard to get. It's a big, it's a big scope. But it's also, I mean, it's obvious that Adam came through your program. So he knew it from both sides. How perfect was that? Right? I know. 
it totally that and looking back now i'm like oh you clever this was the only really the only way you could do it because that's the only way that they would really know what it was about because mm -hmm. if you haven't gone through it you don't really it, it's kind of hard to say but, but yeah. to appreciate the history and the importance of the relationship to the city right, right. if you brought in somebody from uh, from out of town i mean there's where's mm -hmm. the connection right, right. Oh, yeah. And he had relationships with high school band directors and he had gone to school here locally. And yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. Great. But yes, the fact that he'd gone through the program meant everything to me. Mm -hmm. And he'd even gone to IU. So we'd even had that thing in common. And right. we kept in touch the whole time after he graduated. And I had I knew about his struggles trying to decide whether to be a musician or even go into the ministry. I mean, it was like, whoa. Oh. So there, I think when this he, kind of covers the best of both worlds, don't you think? He, absolutely. <laughs> and, but, but did he give you an idea that he wanted to conduct before he had left New World? Or was that no, something he approached no. afterwards? Uh, well, it was when he was getting his master's. He got his bachelor's at uh, DePaul. And then he went out and performed with the performing troupe for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And then he came back and started his performing masters at IU and uh, started visiting New World and just kind of hanging out. Mm -hmm. And one thing led to another. And I asked him if he would be interested in performing, you know, rehearsing a brass piece. Mm -hmm. and he said, that would be great. And that led to the no pants incident. Right. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fanfare for the common man, I think he said, was exactly. what opened that program. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Did it totally without a score. It, it just was wonderful. I could. I just saw it right there in front of me like, okay, this, this is good. Well, that was going to be my next question is what were you feeling? What were you sensing at that point? And you just answered that like, this is good. This is the right, the right thing. Well, yeah, I was sensing two things. One, this is fantastic because he's just organically moving into the orchestra and they're really liking him. And then the second one was, hey, he's doing that maybe better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of that too, but that's healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to see him up there doing that. And the kids really responded to him. And it just, it was a, it was a good thing from the start. My first experience with him as a conductor was uh, was the Indianapolis Ballet Theater last year, 2019. Oh, and yeah. he conducted Nutcracker. Right. And from the first rehearsal, I, I was impressed, not just by his, he knew where to wave the stick and how to wave the stick, but his rehearsal technique, his demeanor. Uh -huh. And even though I knew it was associated with a youth orchestra, he didn't treat us like youth. And I think, I bet that's the way he conducts that, the, the youth group. Well, that's and, the, yeah, that's the secret of New World. You don't treat them like youth. They're yeah. musicians. Yeah. You know? And then they respond accordingly. Yeah. yeah. But and very talented. I had a blast playing under the baton. I told him I missed playing it this year i'm not getting to do uh, nutcracker yeah. but but um so now this is of course a, a big entity you've got a board of directors you've got 
who knows how many people involved in this? Well, you probably know how many people are involved yeah, in this. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, it's, I think it's just fantastic that it's gotten to this point. And uh, something Henry said uh, with the transition with Josh Petty, he said, Josh came to him and said, what about your legacy? And Henry told him, no, now this is your legacy. Right. Right. And I think, wow, but to hand over the reins, but I mean, you have, it's still Susan Kitterman is going to be associated with that group. I mean, you, that legacy is intact because of what you you've done for the community and for how many kids that came through that group. Well, that's fantastic. Well, that's really nice of you to say. I just, my whole life, I wanted my life to have meaning and to feel like what I was doing uh, was valuable. And I have to say with the orchestra, I never had one second of doubt that what I was doing wasn't the right thing to be doing. I knew every second. And that was really helpful because it made me work really hard to be the best at it that I could. Yeah. So that was helpful. Well, I think you were uh, wildly successful <laughs> in that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so what is your involvement now? Well, uh, very minimal. Um, for several years, it was not at all because I thought it was really important for Adam to be able to establish himself with, with his own organization. So my game plan was not to really make an appearance or anything until the last person that I knew um, in the orchestra was gone. And I almost made it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, when I go to performances, I keep a really low profile. I just enjoy hearing him play. Yeah. But it, it blows my mind how good they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I knew they were good and I would brag about them, et cetera. But oh. I was always thinking about the things that could be better. I didn't realize the miracle in front of me of all of these people playing together. And yeah, oh my gosh. So that's been the best part of retirement is being able to see that. Yeah. Because I had my nose to the grindstone that a whole entire time. I'm, yeah. So yeah, it's really you, you mentioned the music part. You said playing music together, but the together was as important, right? That community, that sense of belonging, right? That, uh, I mean, I, Jenny speaks very fondly of, she's proud that she was part of that group. And Sarah, her sister was, is very proud of that too. And I just think that speaks volumes right there. It's, well, you but know, you know what gonna... else? They gave a lot to the organization. Hmm. Both of them in their tenure, gave a lot to the pieces they were playing, which mm -hmm. is what made them successful. And that's how I always felt when I was working with the orchestra was everybody was really trying. To, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and Jenny and Sarah, of course they did. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. I'll make sure they hear that. Yes, please do. <laughs> so how's retirement? Well, it's, I'm, um, it's good. It's, I'm not really retired per se. I'm just, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> nobody ever is, right? <laughs> no, but uh, it's good. It's just, uh, I'm working really hard with my family at the bakery. Um, not so much right the second because of the sure. pandemic, but um, I'm working behind the scenes as much as possible, bothering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, do this, do that. Yeah. But, uh, and hoping for the day when uh, 
I can come back in there. Mm -hmm. um, there I'm hoping lots of recordings, archival, or things that I could get a hold of, maybe to incorporate mm -hmm. some pieces into this. Sure. Um, uh, if, if you want to think about what that might be, right? I mean, I don't know what to ask for uh, other than uh, Dvorak, New World. Well, but... uh, actually, the recording that was on the B side of that, that CD that was of Bill Hudnut doing... Um, Peter Wait, that was the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. He just passed away like last right. year. Right. Right. Yeah. Really... Oh, wait, are you, I interrupted. You said Peter and the Wolf? Yeah, he did Peter and the Wolf. He narrated it. Oh, yeah, he was so great. He was so great. He was so nervous. It was hilarious. And what, what was really great was at that time, his son was four. And his son grew up to be a double bass player because he would go to rehearsals and sit in the wow. circle theater when his dad was practicing and he saw those bases and fell in love. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no. So, well, but anything, um, I don't know. It depends on how much music you want to play. Well, I'll email you and maybe we'll just get, you know, a few ideas uh, okay. together for that. And uh, no, this has been such a treat to sit and chat well, with you. you. You made me remember things that I totally had forgotten. But really, one of the most challenging parts every year was finding a place to rehearse. Mm. That I would just dream of the day when we would have our home you know, to build a building or something like that, which of course is its own nightmare. So being able to be at Butler right now is the closest that we could probably be. And we didn't have to put in all those millions of dollars that, that the ICC had to put in. So we kind of looked out there, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was tough not having a place to be. Mm -hmm. So, but that's what you do. Yeah. Well, I look forward to running into you at uh, sunrise sometime in the near future. Yeah. And, uh, or on the street, you know, somewhere when we can actually hug and not have to worry about masks and all that sort of oh, thing. For so. sure. <laughs> for sure. I wanna, yeah, I want to give you, you a super hug and also Jed. So say hello yeah. to her for me. I will. I will. Hey, thanks for joining me today for my interview. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to hear more, you can visit patreon.com slash studio HFL. By becoming a supporter, you can have access to content that is exclusively available to my Patreon patrons, which would include excerpts from interviews. I'd also like to remind you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Thanks again for being here and listening. And I hope you come back for another interview next time around.